All right, voice. Thank you so much for taking a second and meeting the friends and new new acquaintances and new potential friends around you. I remember when we started the church a couple years ago, uh, doing the 30-second question, it like really was 30 seconds, and now we say 30 seconds, but I have to interrupt you guys every time. I love that. So thank you so much for answering the question and uh, chatting up new people. It's a, a skill I think we're learning again as a culture, having been stuck at our house for a little while now. But uh, if somebody wanted to fly me to the moon, I'm, I, I feel like my answer would be, like, I love new experiences, and I love trying new things, but I also don't buy, like, the first generation anything, iPhone, whatever. And so I feel like I would want somebody like Pastor Taka, who's in on all the beta software and all, like, let's let those guys try it a couple times, work out all the kinks, and then I'm in. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Eric. I'm an elder here, uh, part of the teaching team, and it's just a privilege to, to serve in this way this morning. Uh, every sermon, every time I prepare a message, uh, it comes with uh, a, a time where God gets a hold of me personally. So if you're new to church or you're you know, new to, to hearing me speak or just us as a church speak, this is not just a sermon that we think is like meant to like check the box for the day. We really want uh, like, we don't believe that there is such a thing as just another Sunday. We want this to be an opportunity for God to change us, right, to partner with us for change. So today, we're, uh, the title is just simply Generosity, and we're going to continue our series called Picture This. And before I tell you what the sermon is going to be, let me tell you what it's not going to be. I've been in church uh, long enough now to know that sometimes the word generosity comes with a bit of a... Mm, there's a bit of weight there. So here, let me tell you this. What the sermon is not going to be today is it's not going to be a sermon where voice asks you for money. Sometimes that word generosity, people are like, oh, we're going to skip that one or shoot, it's the generosity day, so let's stay home or something. But it's not going to be a sermon where, where voice asks you for money. We, every service, is, it's no secret, we, we always close our service with an opportunity to give and to partner with our ministry. But this is not going to be like a bait and switch, high pressure sale. We don't do that here. That's not voice. If you're newer to us, that's, we don't do that. Uh, I love the culture here of our church. And by the way, while we're talking about money, we will a little bit today. But it's, again, it's not going to be this high pressure thing. Uh, let's talk about money for a second, because uh, I love the way that our church spends money. Have you ever heard anybody say that before? I love the way that our church does money. I think that voice, what's so special about us is, uh, and many other churches too, but I'm not a part of those churches, is that voice is about building God's kingdom, not about building voice's kingdom. I love the way our church does money, because we're not just about helping people, or excuse me, we are just about helping people local, but also we're about helping people overseas too. I love that our vision of the church is to be a, uh, all the things that uh, Pastor Natalie talked about this morning. We want to be like a presence in our city. Like we want people to know who we are. And I love that. It's not just about getting people to come to our building. It's about going out and serving. I love that. I love the way our church does money. If, if, I love the way how, how our finances are an open book. If you want to know how we spend money, ask. It's not a secret. I love that. We have, financially, we have prayerful, intentional goals, but we also have oversight and accountability at every stage. I 
Love that. And then lastly, we are a generous church. And that's what kind of set me down this, this idea is that one of the things I love about our church uh, and our culture here is we are generous. I, I trust this church and my family financially supports Voice because I trust how we do money. I love that. So, number one, we are not going to ask you for money today. This isn't a high pressure. It's not a bait and switch. Uh, also, this is not going to be about a guilt trip. I think sometimes guilt is used as this motivator for life change, and I don't think that God works that way. Amen? I think he convicts us, sure, but I think more than just guilting us into something, he calls us to something, and it feels more uh, that it's an opportunity than just this guilt trip. And you know what? Our job isn't to convict you at all. That's God's job. That's between you and him. We don't want to get in the way. And if you, are, uh, if you think that we think that there are perfect people, we don't believe that. There are no perfect people. If you want an example, come to an elders meeting. <laughs> we are pretty uh, secure and upfront with the fact that we're trying our best, folks, but we're just who we are. I love that. I love, I love the culture of our church. So we're not going to ask for money. It's not about guilt trip today. But today I am going to ask you to take a step towards becoming more like Jesus in regards to generosity. In regards to generosity. Let me say a quick prayer. We'll get into it. Holy Spirit, I ask today that you would speak to us. I know we come from all different backgrounds today. Some of us haven't been in church in a while, but we're here today. Some of us have been in church forever. Some of us don't, wouldn't say that we're believers or followers today. Some of us are watching online because just a friend said you should. God, we all come to this time and space together with you. And I pray for, for one thing today, God, that you would speak clearly, that you would call us to a life of generosity. Not because of just checking the box or fulfilling a task, but because it's the generous life that, it, the generous life is the one that we enjoy the most. It's the one filled with the most joy and the most peace. God, and I also believe it's the life filled uh, with more and more of your presence. So God, call us to be more generous like your son Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Go back 20 years. I was in high school. I wasn't raised Christian, and, uh, but I was uh, getting into going to church, and I was learning about all of the, the things that go with that. And right around this time, maybe some of you will, will know what I'm talking about. If you don't, hang in there. Uh, right around this time came out these things uh, called WWJD bracelets. I'm wearing one. Did anybody have a WWJD bracelet? No, a few of us. Okay, awesome. I think uh, I think they're still around. But uh, if you don't know, WWJD uh, is kind of an uh, an acronym for the question, "What would?" Okay, good. What would Jesus do? You know it. And uh, it, it sounds kind of corny. And but I wasn't raised in the church, so I, I like took everything literally. And I remember being uh, at the stage of my my walk with God where I wasn't really following Him at first. I was just kind of learning how to do church. I remember going to church and being like looking around and being like, uh-oh, like I didn't dress the right way. I remember pronouncing the book of Job, the book of Job. I remember, you know, just learning how to do church at first, and I was really concerned about, you know, how the church did life. And so when these bracelets came around, and I think my youth pastor gave us all one, he explained to us that, that this question, what would Jesus do, is this reflective question to, to really dive deep into how Jesus would live your life today. And I remember it being a turning point for me 
to move away from just how to do church to really start reflecting and being intentional on how to live my life like Jesus lived his. You know, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus say this? What would Jesus give? What would Jesus do? And the, the reminder is, is that it, the goal is not to be more Christian. Remember, our goal isn't to be more Christian. Because sometimes I think that word can get put on, like, label for a music genre. Or we use that word to say, I'm, I, well, I'm Christian because I'm not something else. And it's just a classification. And so just a reminder, church, that our goal uh, is kind of like what the WWJD bracelets did for me at the time is uh, to be this reminder that we're not just trying to be good Christians. We're trying to be like Jesus. That's our goal. So I have a little gift for you this morning. In the chair in front of you is a WWJD bracelet. Go ahead and reach forward. If you're like, I want in on the WWJD thing, let's go back 20 years together. Let's reminisce. So in the seat backs, there are little bracelets. If you want one, find one. And I think we may have missed a couple chairs. So if there's not one in front of you, just bump your neighbor out of the way and grab theirs or search around. It's a little Easter hunt for you early. Feel free to grab one of those, put it on, and join me. If you don't like the color that's in front of you, trade. Ask your friend to get you a coffee and take theirs. It's fine. So what we see over and over and over is that Jesus in the Gospels is portrayed as this, this man who is extremely generous. If you read the Gospels for any amount of time, you will see over and over and over that Jesus was extremely generous. But we also see that Jesus wasn't just generous with money. In John 2, we see him uh, at a party, at a wedding festival. And now weddings in those days wasn't just like a one-day event. It was like a, a week's festival. And so uh, at, at key times, the, the, the members of the party would have like uh, dinner together. But the, the culture, of the, the way that they did this at the time is the best wine for the party for the meal went out first. And then as uh, quality, uh, the, the emphasis on quality um, went away and was replaced with quantity as the party continued on, the lesser wine, the, the less expensive wine would be served later, better wine up front. And what happened at this party is they ran out of wine. And we don't really know exactly who this is, but Jesus' mom goes over to Jesus, and this is kind of before his ministry starts, and she's like, this is tragic. They're like, it's going to be the talk of the town. Like, they ran out of wine. And Jesus says, it's not my time yet. But then his mom kind of just says, he's going to do it. And so he walks over and he turns these barrels, barrels, into wine simply to save the shame that this family would have faced for running out of wine at the wedding festival, the wedding party. A generous, a generous thing. In Luke 8 and Mark 5, it's the same story. We notice that as Jesus was on his way to heal somebody else, and he's walking through a crowd, this woman who had, had she's described as been bleeding for 12 years, walked up and, and grabbed his garment, hoping to be healed. And we see, we, we know at the, uh, for the culture at the time that uh, if you uh, were, were bleeding for this long, it meant you were ceremonially unclean. And, and so these people were ostracized. These people were, had just gone unnoticed. She's kind of been isolated. And so for 12 years, she'd been bleeding and maybe gone unnoticed from her community. And Jesus stops plan A to notice her. 
stops plan A to notice her and heals her and just redeems everything about her life in this moment. What a generous God. In John 4, he meets a Samaritan woman at the well and breaks this cycle of abuse, breaks this cycle of fake promises, breaks this cycle of rejection in her life and offers her instead the truth, offers her friendship, offers her salvation. Matthew 14, and I can go on, we'll stop with this one. He feeds 5,000 people, not because they deserved it, just because they were hungry. And we know that uh, when Scripture records this number of 5,000, it's just counting the men in the audience or in the gathering. So it probably was more like 15,000 if you include uh, women and, and children. And we just see Jesus as God just feeding people because they're hungry and on and on. He is so generous and not just with money. So Jesus teaches us that generosity is more than just giving finances. Oftentimes, I know it has in my life, in my Christian walk, it starts with tithing. You know, it's a skill that you learn and you build and you, you, you get better as you do it and, or, or gift giving. But ultimately, the, the goal is a lifestyle of generosity, a culture, a group of people living together, this lifestyle of generosity. And so we all know this, that you can be generous with your time. You can be generous with talent. You can be generous with treasure. But you can also be generous with patience. You can be generous with how you drive home. You can be generous with understanding. You can be generous with grace, even giving yourself the same grace that Jesus gives you. There's lots of ways in life to be generous. And we, we know uh, what we love, uh, the language that voice uses to divine generosity goes a little like this. It says, number one, God owns everything. Guys, it's all his. And the, the faster you realize that, the more generous you'll be. But God owns everything. It's all his. So he expects us to use his stuff wisely so that we can live lives that are irrationally generous because Jesus, because God has been so generous with us. And so what we're doing in this series is taking a close look at the lives of the early Christians in the book of Acts. And we are trying to, to line up our lives and their lives and make sure that we're still on the same mission, that our lives are, are, are syncing up, same values, same lifestyles. So today, the kind of central verse that we're going to focus on today is Acts 20, verse 35. I'm going to put it on the screen for you. And it simply says this, and you may know this. Paul writes, it is more blessed to give than receive. Have you guys heard this before? I think this is, yeah, it's pretty common. It's taught. And what's interesting about this quote is that Paul is quoting Jesus here. Did you know that? Paul's quoting Jesus. Pull back a little bit. Let me show you the whole verse just to give you some context. It says, in all things, I have shown you that, uh, that to, to be working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Here he goes. He's quoting how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. But this quote is not found in the Gospels anywhere. I don't know if you noticed that before. So Paul is quoting Jesus, but this quote is not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. The story, the Gospel, the story of Jesus' life. And me as a Bible teacher, I'm like geeking out on this. Like, what? Paul is quoting. He says, he himself says, as Jesus said, but we don't know that Jesus said that. 
John 21, 25, just does talk a little bit about this. Uh, John writes now about Jesus. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did, like so many other things that he did and said. Were every one of them to be written down, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Meaning, uh, not every gospel recorded every single detail of every day and every teaching. So then my question is, well, then how did Paul, Saul, how did he hear about this? How can he be quoting Jesus if he wasn't one of the original 12 disciples? If, and I think the answer is that the people who did follow caught on to Jesus' culture, his lifestyle of generosity, and Paul inherited this culture. He started hanging out with the folks that were hanging out with Jesus, and they, their lifestyle their lifestyle of generosity was passed on to Paul. And so Paul in John, or excuse me, in Acts 20 is passing it on to another church in Ephesus who then passes it on to us today. See, this generosity, this teaching isn't just this one thing that we show up and be generous at this moment. It's, it's how people lived. And I'm telling you, it is so attractive when a community does it well. People want in. And they tell other people about it. I love this because it proves that the generosity that Jesus demonstrated, the generosity that Jesus calls us to, it went to the core of who this early church was at that time. And I think today we are called to this same lifestyle of generosity. So Jesus wants us to live a generous life, but how is the next question. How? Uh, this last three weeks, uh, we bought a house in Corona uh, a year ago, and I'm just now getting to, like, starting to landscape. And so my front lawn has just been dirt for a year. So I had had it. So what we did is there were little patches of grass. I spent the last three weeks reseeding my front lawn. That's how I feel about it, too. And so we, uh, we, we, we took, you know, a couple weeks and tore out all the old grass. And then brought in some new soil and leveled everything. I don't know if you've done this process. And then we fertilized it and watered it and mixed it up. And then days go by. And, and all of this work just to the last step, the most exciting step of actually seeding it. Figuring out how it's going to be watered and, and all this stuff. I did all of this prep just so I can see these seeds do their thing. But if you don't do the prep, it's not going to grow right. It may not grow at all. And I think what Paul is writing here that we're going to read in just a second in Acts 20, he's reminding the people he's writing to, the elders in Ephesus, he's reminding them of his generous lifestyle. And I think he's going to remind us that that's actually how generosity works too. You have to take time to prep the soil. You have to take time to make sure it's fertilized, get some things in order before the kind of God's seeds of generosity can sprout up and we can see the fruit of that. So Paul talks about this, and what I think we can learn from, uh, from it today is uh, a couple things. If you're taking notes, uh, those things are coming. If not, just uh, lean back and listen up. Acts 20, verse 18 and 19. This is the, him prepping the soil. This is all the stuff that surrounds generosity that helped him be uh, this model for generosity that we see in Acts 20. He says, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia Serving the Lord with all humility, with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. So here's my first thing. I think Paul reminds us about generosity. Is that generous people 
Look for opportunities to serve others with humility. Generous people, look, they look for opportunities to serve others with humility. They position themselves to be looking for ways to serve. This, this humility piece is super important. I looked up humility this week. It j- just simply means to uh, appropriately estimate your importance in relationship to others. Looking for ways to serve and, and measure or, or estimate your importance. A couple months ago, I was uh, invited through um, my, uh, I, I'm a teacher, and so part, me and my kids all are part of the same school. So they, they were having like this daughter, uh, this dad and son, not the daddy-daughter dance, that was the last thing. But before that, uh, the, the, we had a, a mini golf time with just dads and sons. And it was a really busy season, and, and it was like a Friday night, and, uh, and I was so looking forward to this time because it's like just carved out. It's like just, it's going to be just me and him, and it's like they kind of already have it all planned. I'm, they're going to tell me where to park and who to pay, and just, I just, just put the, the ball in the hole, and we're going to have fun. It's going to be great. And I remember being so excited because I didn't really have any responsibility. I was just going to take my son, and we were just going to have fun, and it's going to be so cool. And the day of the event, it was Friday morning, we were having school, one of my co-workers comes in, and, uh, and I didn't know this about their family, I'm not going to say any names, but um, the, the family, uh, her and um, her husband are sadly, have decided to um, separate. Lots of reasons, she's not happy about it, it's just a mess. And uh, what she told me is uh, that her sons and their dad are planning to go to this event. And she is just nervous about it. And she heard that I was going to be there with my son. And so she, she sits in this moment where I'm just excited to have no responsibility <laughs> and play. And she asks me to just be aware that they're there. To keep an eye on things. She just needed some peace. And I, in the moment, had all of these awesome pastoral reasons why I shouldn't boundaries and all these things, and I had these great excuses to say no. And in the moment, I felt like God was saying, this is an opportunity to make sure that I remember that this other family is just as important as my family to God. And so I took on the responsibility of being willing to serve this family and just keep an eye on things. And it kind of made the day a little bit more complicated. But at the end of it, I was so much more blessed because I got to say yes to this service opportunity than, than if I had turned it down. And I think this is a great example for what Paul is calling us, calling uh, these folks too, is that we are looking for opportunities to serve others. But that doesn't just differentiate us from others. There's lots of people who love to serve. But what makes us us is that we serve others with humility, that we make sure we are properly estimating our importance in relationship to others. Acts 20, he goes on. He says, testifying both to Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, Paul says, I'm going to Jerusalem, listen to this, constrained by the Spirit, propelled by the Spirit. He is uh, being called to this by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. Except that the Holy Spirit, oh, he did tell him one thing, uh, that he testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Like, they're waiting for me when I get there. (laughs) Sweet. Awesome. Can't wait. Generous people stay available to the Holy Spirit. 
Generous people stay available to the Holy Spirit, even when it gets tough, even when it gets complicated, even when you don't know what, exactly what's going to happen. This week, I was uh, really focused on writing this uh, message. We have a lot going on, uh, as I'm sure you guys do too. Every week's pretty packed. And so I was asking God over and over and over, show me what it means to have this lifestyle of generosity. Like, remind me. And he started with, well, yeah, being available, being available. And this next thing is being available not just to uh, study and to write stuff, but to be available to the Holy Spirit. And so I got up one morning. My kids were sick, and so they were going to stay home that day. And so I, I decided to get up a little early and go to school an hour early to write this message on generosity. And I get everything set, and we actually have a coffee shop right next door because Jesus loves me. And so I'm sitting in the coffee shop, and uh, I literally have, like, my computer up, and I'm sitting there, glasses on, green light. And the minute that I sign in and my, my sermon comes up on my screen, a coworker sits down next to me because uh, this coworker is going to speak in chapel on Friday, and they need help with their chapel message. And I just smirk because... Again, I could have had so many reasons to say, like, ah, I'm actually speaking in church on generosity and trying to write this message on generosity. But actually what I felt like God was saying is this is an opportunity to practice what you're going to teach on Sunday. And be honest with yourself a little here. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or embarrass you in any way, but be honest with God and yourself this morning. How open or how available are you to God interrupting your plans today? How open or available are you to God changing your plans in general for the sake of somebody else? Because I struggle with this. I like having, I like sticking to the plan. I like making the plan. So basically, I like for God not to have any control. And I think that Paul is urging us, he's urging the people he's writing to, to understand that generosity is a posture of the heart. It's a, it's a heart place. He understands that to fully live the way Jesus did and the way he calls his disciples to live, it means, I love this, that he doesn't even consider his life as, as his own. Right? Like if God wants to interrupt you, if you say, God, use me today, I have like between 7.45 and 8.30 on Tuesdays, God's going to laugh and say, <laughs> I'll wait. Because Paul says, uh, we're just going through Acts 20 now. He says in Acts 20, verse 24, but my life is worth nothing to me, he says, unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The good work of telling others the good news, the wonderful grace of God. Paul has this wonderful posture, and I, I think the best way to display it is just open hands. Open hands. That even his life he holds with open hands. Continue on, generous people. Acts 20, verses 31 and 33. We keep moving here. It says, remember the three years I was with you, Paul writes. Three years he spent planting this church. Uh, my constant watch and care over you night and day and my many tears for you. And then he says, I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. And I just have to say, the most generous people are also the most content. And that one hurts a little bit. The most generous people are also 
the most content. Paul actually speaks about contentment a lot more than uh, just in this instance. Uh, In uh, Philippians 4, he writes to this church about contentment. You may have uh, have heard these verses before. Uh, He says, "I uh, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Uh, He was receiving support from this church. They didn't have a chance to give. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want. And then here's this classic bumper sticker verse. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But he doesn't tell us the secret. If, you're, if you read this like I read this, I'm like, cool. I have learned the secret, and the secret is, and he doesn't say that. So what is the secret? I mean, he's probably writing this way, assuming that this church should know it already, or he's said it 500 times. He's not going to say it again. I don't know. What is the secret to being content in any situation? Well, I think it's actually pretty simple. Your contentment is your choice. My contentment is, is, is my choice. That's a choice I get to make. And how do you choose contentment? Well, I think when you feel discontentment creeping back in, you guys know what I mean. Discontentment, when you look around, somebody's got something, or your situation's not what you think it should be, or the relation, you know. When it's discontentment is cre- creeping back in, well, I think the best thing is to move in the opposite spirit and to think of 10 things that you're grateful for today. You know how powerful that would be if every time discontentment crept in, you just took a second and reminded yourself all the things you could be grateful for? Or when you're thinking about being grateful, you look around and you see others who have needs that you could fulfill. Friends, people who need friends that you could gladly take some time and and develop friends. The point is, is your contentment is your choice. And Paul's words are so challenging to me this week with this. And then he finishes, and this is the verse we started with. We'll kind of start working our way down here. Acts 20, 35, he says, And remember the words of the Lord Jesus and how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than receive. The word blessed literally translated. Does anybody know? Happy. Literally translated, this, he's saying it's happier is the person that gives than receives. My wife works at Charles Schwab. Uh, it's a big financial firm, uh, humongous now. But uh, they're putting out podcasts, and, and so they want people to listen to these podcasts uh, because they're talking about, they're like studying the, the, the power of choices, and, and, and then, of course, it's kind of run through the, the lens of, of finances and profit and stuff. But uh, they had this awesome podcast uh, this, this past Christmas. And what they were saying in this podcast is they were studying happiness and the, the correlation with giving or, like, spending money on yourself or spending money on others. So they were saying, like, guys, guys, guys. And this is, like, not a Christian uh, environment or podcast or anything. They're like, hey, 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 everybody, let, let, we found something crazy Crazy. We did all of this scientific study that we consider now scientific fact 
Listen to this. If you spend money on other people, you're happier. So what they did is they went around and they gave people $5, this study group, five bucks. And they said, you can choose, whatever you choose is fine. You can choose to spend it on yourself or give it away. That could mean like buying coffee or just like giving cash away. And so uh, the, the group kind of split and they just said, yeah, I spent the money on myself. And they had uh, people rate their happiness and they rated about uh, like midway. But that, the happiness that they felt from that only lasted uh, not even to the end of the day. So it was like pretty minimal. And the people that chose to gave it away recorded themselves as being happy about it, you know, on a scale of like six, seven, or eight. But the happiness that they felt lasted a long time. This study would say no Christian ties, no Bible uh, verses quoted. They would say that there is no correlation to long-term happiness and spending money on self. Scientific fact. This study would say that don't expect happiness if you spend most of your money on yourself. That's so challenging. This verse says, happier is the person that gives than receives. See, generosity is more than just giving money, and I, I totally believe that. It's not, we're not asking for anything today. What we're offering is this lifestyle that where you can feel content, happy, where you feel generous because God has been generous with you. And sometimes it starts with tithing or gift giving, but you could be generous with time and talent and treasure, generous with patience and understanding, generous to take on some of the burdens of others. Question for you on the screen. What area of your life is God calling you to be more generous? What area of your life this morning is God calling you to be more generous with? And I think this isn't a guilt trip. It's an opportunity. That God, Jesus says, it's way more blessed to give than to receive. As we close, a couple thoughts that I felt like didn't fit anywhere else but need to be said. So we'll close with these things. We can't follow Jesus without becoming generous. We just can't. We can't follow Jesus without becoming generous. It's Paul redeeming this idea that like our stuff and our life and our time and our treasure and everything that's ours that we think is ours actually is all God's. And so what we need to do, what I need to do, is to live my life with this open hands posture that when we open our hands instead of have a firm grip on stuff we open our hands to generosity and we will receive more generosity from god and we'll be way more available to give it you can't follow jesus without becoming generous and this last thing is you're never going to outgive god i'll close with the story you're never going to outgive god in the last couple of months, uh, like I said before, we just uh, bought this house, and uh, we're still working it out, <laughs> still working it out. And so uh, we w did our taxes wrong and, you know, made all the mistakes. We just like to make all the mistakes so that you guys don't have to. But uh, So we made all the mistakes, and we ended up, you know, being pretty short and owing quite a bit. And then, you know, things happen, and life happens, and all of a sudden we find ourselves um, in this decision financially to 
because of what we owe, uh, to stop supporting our sponsored kids or to stop giving to the church or to stop being generous. And, and so we, like, really had a moment, like, man, do we pay bills or, or do we give? And maybe you're there. And uh, the, the total, the total um, was about 6000 bucks, which is a lot of money to us. And so we just prayed and prayed, and it took a week or two. And, and so we were like, man, we just feel we, we don't have an answer, but we feel so peaceful that we are to not stop giving. So we continued on. Uh, two weeks go by, and uh, I had a feeling that that day, um, the, I was like doing dishes or something, and I, and I was talking to my wife, and I said, man, I just feel like, like something's different today. Like everything's going to be okay. And she's like, well, that's weird because you don't usually feel that way. I'm like, I know. It's a big deal. And, uh, and later that day, the same day, uh, she won an award at work that she didn't even know existed. Guess how much the award was for? 6000 bucks. And I, I love it because God's not giving us more than we need. And he's not giving us less than we need. He's giving us what we need. You're never going to outgive him. So today, as we close with this song, as we close with uh, the, the service and the elements, uh, I, I urge you to open yourself up that the area of your life that God wants you to be more generous in, that we can trust him with that. We can trust him with that. Let's pray and then sing the song. Lord, thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you so much that you are a God who gives first. We don't earn your grace or your love. You just give it. And so because of that generosity, we can be generous with others. God, help us to, to lean in today. If we feel called to be more generous, I pray that we would open our hands, open the posture of our heart, open our lifestyle to be more available to you and, and follow you in that way. God, I pray for stories like uh, the story of winning the award with my wife and myself. I pray that everybody in this room and listening online would have a story like that where God has been faithful. So that our this culture of generosity can just go throughout our church and bleed into the, the people that we have contact with. That we, when, when we show up at Easter to hide Easter eggs, they like, dang, something's different about them. That God, that we would take care of the needs in our community. That nobody would, would be lacking for anything because it's not ours anyway. I pray that as a church, we would learn to be more generous, not just for the sake of generosity, but because that means we're more like Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you continue the work that you started this morning? If we've never heard from you, God, I pray today that we would listen in a new way, and God, that you would speak, speak loud. In Jesus' name, we all say together, amen. Why don't we all stand and let's sing this last song together.